Welcome to our second episode of Night School. I'm joined by Bob. I'm here, ready to learn. Yeah, so we got uh, a lot of good positive feedback about our first video, which was Why Dungeons, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of kind of making a pitch to you. And for people who haven't joined us before, my goal with this, or I should say your goal. Yeah, I'm I'm the one that's really excited. Right, is to uh, learn how to run a campaign. Yes. And last time in our first episode, I basically made a pitch that I thought that before you start creating worlds and universes and campaigns, you should start with something simple. Yeah, because I want to do all that. Yeah, of course. But Bob's Dungeon also sounds cool. Yeah, so we're going to start with a dungeon. And this is a time-honored tradition that goes back to the very beginning of the game. It's in the name of the game. And I think it, 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 it teaches you the training wheels. It's the training wheels for you. It's the training wheels for your player as well. That's good. So when you're going to go and create a dungeon, I like to think of it in two stages, a design stage and a development stage. So the design stage is where you're going to sort of think of the high concepts of the dungeon. Okay. What are some of the themes that you're trying to, you know, feel out with this dungeon? What are some of the ideas that you want to express in the dungeon? What are some of the, you know, basic concepts that you want to really lay out? Development is more of the number crunching part. That's where you're going to go in and you're going to, for example, in fifth edition. Okay. You could design a dungeon. Uh, Okay. um, It's a prison. It's a nice prison. Okay, that's maybe like my concept. Well, that could be a level one dungeon. Could be a level ten dungeon. Could be a level okay. fifteen okay, dungeon. Okay, that's the de- that's development. Part. That's development. Okay. Development's where you're going to go and say, okay, what creatures mm-hmm. are appropriate for a dungeon of this level? Okay. okay, what what treasure is appropriate for a dungeon of this level? What traps are appropriate for a dungeon of this level? Right. So, the concept, the design, you could almost think of these as like uh, blueprints that could be used. For anything, yeah. right? For you could design, you could design a dungeon, and you could use it for Pathfinder two, and you could use it for fifth edition. It's not really a fifth edition dungeon or a Pathfinder two dungeon until you put in the development work and actually put in Pathfinder two monsters okay. or put in fifth edition monsters. So that's how you can like almost do conversions. It is a good way to do conversions. To take a step back and say, what's the what's the rough outline of mm-hmm. this? Okay. Of this of this dungeon. And so today, I thought we could start with the design phase. And we are going to start now going back to the design phase. There is sort of two ways to approach this, which is sort of a bottom up or top down design. So what does that mean? Well, it means you can and sometimes you're you're working both sides simultaneously. Sometimes you need a dungeon to fulfill a specific role in your game. In like your world or something. Exactly. Okay. Like you already know I need a dungeon that is the prison of some NPC. Because that's where our game is headed. So you have this idea. And so now you go, okay, I know from the beginning it's going to be a prison. And so I need to put things in it that would be in a prison. It needs okay. to have a jail cell. And it so needs- we don't need to do that exactly, but that is something that you can think about if, you're, if you have the world sort of already going. Correct. Okay. I mean, the only thing I would say that we, the only uh, top-down constraint that we have is we know that this is going to be the introduction to a, a new group of players. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's going to be level one players. Yes. So there might be certain considerations that we would make for this dungeon that lend it towards that end. Yeah, makes sense. So a bottom-up design, on the other hand, is sort of like thinking about, like, nope, I am just thinking, like, what are ideas that I think would be cool? And we'll build, we'll figure out the story later. So top-down design would be, I have a jail cell. Okay, what go, what would be in a jail, or sorry, I have a prison. What would be in a prison? I don't know, a torture chamber, a jail cell. You know, you're, you're building, mm-hmm. you already have the idea, now you're going, you're filling in the details. Bottom up is like, you know, it'd be so cool if the final boss was a dragon. So now you're talking my language. Right. And now <laughs> we don't know what the concept is, but we, we, we're, you know, it also, I have this idea about a room with like a, 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 a pool full of blood that like comes alive. Right. Okay. These are all cool ideas. Okay. Now what we're going to do is that's starting at the bottom. Mm-hmm. We're going to build up to, okay, what is this place that has a dragon and a pool full of blood? And we'll figure out the details as we go up. And we'll come up and we'll end with a concept that ties it all together. Okay. But we started with the details instead of the high level. Now, could you do part of the... You can go back I was and say, forth. I mean... Well, uh, to put, create a point, case in point, it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit... Your dungeon will feel more cohesive if the thematic elements all tie together. That's more top down. Well, that's anything. Yeah. It, one of the big mistakes, we talked about this before, one of the big mistakes of dungeon design is the kitchen sink approach. Mm-hmm. 
people draw a map first. That's almost always wrong to draw a map first. Um, they draw a map and then they just start populating it with monsters and traps. And there's no theme. There's no cohesive Interesting. tying it together. You're just putting in stuff that you think is cool. And that's hmm. a horrible way to design. That's, that's, that's actually what I thought I was going to do. Correct. <laughs> I was like, I could draw. And I got my bestiaries and monster yep. manuals. That's the worst way to design. That's how you're going to end up with a bad dungeon. What you're going to end up with then is when people think of bad dungeons, they think of underground rooms with no sense of cohesiveness where we're just wandering from place to place, fighting a variety of different monsters that really don't do anything or interact in any way. All right. Well, Bob's dungeon is going to be different. Bob's dungeon is going to be sweet. Well, we hope it is, right? That's so that so one of the things. If it need, isn't, then we need to figure right. that out. So and so when we, with bottom now, there's nothing wrong with bottom up design yeah. because you're like, I had this idea for a cool concept. The, the 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 challenge there is figuring out elements that tie it together yeah. so that it isn't just a random pile of nonsense, but it's a more structured and cohesive. So actually, dungeon. might take. It sounds easier, but it actually, could be harder. It it depends on how you think. Yeah, it depends on what kind of creativity mode you're going for and it also depends like if you know that your dungeon needs to be a prison well then that's easy because you're already thinking in that respect mm -hmm. but if you also know that your dungeon really you really want to have it the want it to have these elements then that's you know much much different and that also starts informing your decision right like if it's a prison and it's an active prison well that's going to be a very different type of dungeon than one that is an ancient ruin that nothing and no one lives in right like it might mm -hmm. have different types of traps it might have different types of monsters Right. Mm -hmm. If you're in some old abandoned ruin, it might be littered with you know giant rats and giant centipedes and you know all sorts of vermin. But if it's like a prison, well, it's probably not going to have just random vermin running around. Right. There's people here. They yeah. probably try to keep it somewhat clean. Mm -hmm. So, again, that can really inform your decisions. So today. I thought we could maybe kind of think about the high level concept. OK. Now, before we get into that, though. This is, this is one of the most important rules. Uh-oh. This is the first Give rule. Give me a little pencil out here. This is the first rule of Dungeon Craft. Okay. So uh, during the 90s, uh, Dragon Magazine, for about two and a half years, published a series of articles. And uh, it was called uh, Dungeon Craft. And it, is, it was a... Is this where Professor Dungeon Master gets his name from? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Well, but if, it, you, if you watch this, let us know. Yeah. Um, and it was written by a man named Ray Winninger, who was a sort of an industry MVP at the time. And then he kind of went away. And now he actually like heads up fifth edition D&D's wow. R&D group. So he wrote this really great article. And in this uh, series of articles, and it was very impactful to me on how I think of designing dungeons. Um, obviously, I have a lot of other input sources, but I think it's a worthwhile thing to share with you. Mm -hmm. And what the Dungeon Craft articles identified is that the books, the Dungeon Master Guides and the Monster Manuals and the Bestiaries and whatever are very good at teaching you the rules of the game, but they are very poor at teaching you what you're supposed to do with all these. Okay, okay. And I still feel like to this day that a lot of these rule books, especially the Pathfinder 2 rule books, are very bad, very bad. Pathfinder 2 is very bad at teaching you actually how to make a cool adventure or dungeon. If I was being cynical, if I was being tin hat, uh, tin foil hat, I would say it's because they want you to go buy their adventures and their adventure paths. I mean, it is a business. It is a business. <laughs> so if they teach you how to make an adventure, then you don't need to go out and buy their adventure paths. Correct. Correct. That actually makes sense. So I don't know if that's technically true, but, you know. I mean, either case. way, everything would be cool to learn. I like their APs and I would like to learn. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyways, so what Ray's first rule of Dungeon Craft was was this never force yourself to create more than you must and he actually went on to say this rule is so important you should write it on the inside cover of your dungeon master's guide and if you go back all right hold on a second if you never go, <laughs> never force yourself to create more than you must and if you go back to my second edition dungeon master's guide and my third edition dungeon master's guide this is actually oh, so you listened. This is actually written in Sharpie, big, big, bold Sharpie on the inside oh, of yeah, both of my listened. covers. Yeah, you listened. Now, why? Well, it's because there's a temptation to want to start off and build everything, right? To create an entire world with. Uh, I was. I didn't know how far thousand you, you know, must meant. <laughs> right. What I mean to say is, you 
have this resource, which is the time that you are going to spend preparing for the next session. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You never need to be more than one session ahead of your player. I've learned that from you. Right. So now to that being said, I think that having options and being well prepped, especially before a campaign begins when Mm -hmm. you don't have the pressure of a weekly schedule um, or, you know, whatever rate of play you're playing at, I think that can be very beneficial to have a bunch of stuff prepped. That way you kind of have a, you know, why not take advantage before you start playing? Yeah. But once you get into it, don't feel like you need to detail everything out, you know, completely. Just, hey, I'm going to make a dungeon. I think it's going to have about three levels. Cool. Well, they're not going to go to level three right away. Yeah, it makes sense. They're not going to go to level two probably right away. Focus your time and attention on what you feel they are going to reach, right? Never force yourself to create more than you must. Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Dungeons. Do you like them to go up or down? Done. What do you mean up or down? Uh, levels. Start it. You start well. Level one is always level one. But then do you submerge? Well, or do you go up? But okay. Well, all right. I just asking a personal opinion. Uh, I like mine to go up. It doesn't make well. One is a tower. Yeah. And one. So here's the thing. Co- what co- if it's both? First things first. That's pretty cool. People may not know what a dungeon is. Uh, <laughs> so a dungeon historically, right, was the like prison cells beneath a castle. Okay. And if you look back to 1974 when they first started doing it, that was exactly what it was. It was uh, Castle Blackmore and it was going into the dungeons underneath the castle, except they were, you know, a little bit uh, bigger than the normal. Yeah, more than. More than a castle would be. And so that became the thing was to go under the ruins. Now that that term dungeon, though, now basically means anything a dungeon could be the burnt out husk of a dead god floating through the endless stars right it could be a uh, a living elemental beast and you're exploring its innards as it travels through the elemental plane of earth it could be an ancient underground ruin it could be a a series of caverns it could be a tower Mm -hmm. it could be a cliffside ruin i mean it could be anything um traditionally historically you go down okay i'm just asking um, it's a little bit more claustrophobic. It's a little bit more, you know, yeah, dark no and escape. scary to go into the earth than it is to okay. go up. Okay. Um, so any case, uh, yeah. So the ideal concept behind this rule is you do not want to be forced into making more cause you might get burned out. You might, uh, lose some, you know, passion cause you feel like it's work. And more importantly, I think it's okay to a certain extent to leave your options open. I feel like it's just also a waste of time. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't like wasting time. I got I don't have much time. I don't need to be wasting it building yeah. a world that no one's going to play in or they're not going to go that way. Correct. That's also a good point. Now, one of the, be- now, one of the beautiful things about Dungeons & Dragons is it's not a video game. You know, if, if the players want to go west and you haven't written west yet, don't think of it as like, an, uh, oh, I need to railroad them to go east. You know, well, number one, you can be honest with them. Guys, that sounds awesome. I haven't developed that area yet, so give me some time. Yeah. Uh, or second, you can just wing it. That's that's a little higher level than me right now. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) So to that end, never create more than you must. So what we want to do here today is just think of some ideas about what might this first level dungeon look like for our new players. Okay. Right? Yeah. And what are some of the unique challenges and things that we need from this dungeon? All right? Now, I said last time that I was going to introduce what I consider to be one of the greatest resources for this of all time. Now I'm a big fan of inspirational randomness. Okay. Right. Which is to say this, I love tables and charts. Oh, I love that stuff too. I didn't know where you're going with that. That <laughs> you don't have to go with it. It just inspires you to go down a different route. Okay. I love tables. Okay. Now I'll be honest with you. Um, Pathfinder books don't have anything. They're horrible. Okay. The fifth edition Dungeon Master Guide is actually pretty good. Oh, I actually own that. Okay. It's actually pretty good. They have a pretty good section here uh, about, you know, random dungeons and different ru- uh, different types of chambers and rooms to put into it. It's pretty good. The did first- that come from the same guy? Did he help develop that then? No, I don't. He did, did, did. He did not. Oh, okay. I was like, maybe that's why. Um, <laughs> the first edition Dungeon Master's Guide is a classic. Okay. Um, it, uh, it could also contains a bunch of information, but the problem with both of these are they give you ideas about things to put in your dungeon, but they don't really talk about like, what is and that's what we want. your dungeon? What is your dungeon? So what is the high concept? 
And so for this, we need to come up with two things. Okay. One is what was our dungeon originally? Mm -hmm. What is our dungeon now? Okay. Okay. So what was its original purpose? Why was it built? Why was it originally put there? Now it's the present. Yeah. What is it now? Now it's possible. That's like, well, they built it last year. It's the same thing as it was. But chances are, if it was built a long time ago, it isn't that now. Maybe it's a ruin or a rubble. And already, well, you're going to start to ask questions. Well, why is it like that? What happened? Right. And for this, that, that, why, <coughs> there is no better resource than this. The Tome of Adventure Design. Jeez, it's, it's right in the title. The Tome of Adventure Design or The Toad. Okay. Now, this book is a little is that bit. what people call it? I mean, it's what I call it. Now, this is this is not a this is this was originally produced by Frog God Games. Uh, I think well, that they, even makes funnier sense than it was. Um, I think why? Because you call it Toad and it says by Frog. Oh uh, yeah, sure. I don't. I don't. <coughs> Bob back with the cough. I swear to you, he wasn't <laughs> coughing before we even filmed. I think it's a it's a nighttime talking thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Um. If you can get a hand on this, I think the PDF is available on DriveThruRPG. Hmm. Um, I know they did a second printing of it. I love it in hardback. Uh, on the back, it says, don't panic. Because <laughs> um, I'm panicking right now. <laughs> yeah. So this book. When this come out? Uh, I don't know. If you, is this the original? Yeah. Uh, 2009. Oh, actually pretty recent. Well, I mean, that's. 12 years ago. Yeah, but Dungeons and Dragons is Oh yeah, you know, no, no, no. yeah, this this came out um this came out uh, Pathfinder 1 era. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's not even that old of a book, okay? But this this is one of the best I've ever seen. So what they made this book just for this purpose or was this part of like yeah. a bigger thing they were trying to nope. do? Nope, just for this purpose. Wow. It is nothing but random tar tables and charts to inspire you. Wow. So, we'll we'll give an example here. All right. Jeez, it's literally looking like an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. So, here We'll we'll try this now. It's got a a bunch of different Do I need tables. Some dice. Yeah, you're gonna need some percentage dice. Oh yeah. All right. Now there's a couple different ways that you could use this. Um. So one, for example, is its purpose. Uh, what was the structure's original purpose? Dwarven stronghold. Okay. So here we'll roll. Roll percentage. So eighty-seven or seventy-eight. Sorry, seventy-eight. Uh, dyslexic what do you want from me all right <laughs> it is sacrificial okay all right sacrificial you, you don't have to write this down because we don't have to, that's the beautiful thing oh, okay sometimes it's just about getting inspired you sacrificial don't have, now roll again okay 52 uh sacrificial machine whoa so okay see your mind already starts clicking there maybe yeah, i'm thinking some like ancient cog thing all right maybe like why what was this dungeon originally built it's like for? 13 ghosts i don't know what that is you never seen 13 ghosts can't well, say it's a here. giant machine okay that needs the spirits of all these people okay to create this dimensional portal for this like evil demon thing see there you go yeah and it's trapped these people with all these hieroglyphic symbols and stuff and all these different ghosts right it's so, creepy so scary that might have been what this dungeon originally yeah. was right now i mean you could go anywhere with this it could be when you see, when you hear sacrificial machine it doesn't have to be a machine like you might start with that and then you end up with um, it was a place where you know they just uh, they brought people in to sacrifice them to turn them into undead hmm. you know kind of like an undead factory right like the idea here is to start with inspiration and to start thinking mm -hmm. of ideas for what it might be so just as an example uh, maybe roll again oh okay now for this one ninety two. Um, now for this one, they have a different table here, which is sort of like the overview of okay. what, what is this, uh, what is this place or what is this place like, or what is this place? It is the toxic roll again. Toxic. Yep. 94. Sanctum. Keep going. Of the. Oh. 76. Okay. Toxic sanctum, sanctum of the ooze. Of the ooze. Okay. Hate oozes. Okay. So you're like, okay, I hate oozes. Right. But again, it's so, causing so much trouble. So the, the first one's sort of more of like the purpose. Mm -hmm. This random table is more of like kind of an idea of like, okay, well, what, what is this place like? What's well, the toxic sanctum of the ooze? Already, like, my mind is like, what if there was a dungeon 
where ooze and ooze became self-aware mm-hmm. and it became intelligent right and it created this environment that's super toxic and it's trying to breed a new type of ooze right needs needs to sacrifice us and it well no no this might just be a totally, oh, totally separate idea thing. okay right it's just about coming up with mm-hmm. interesting ideas and kind of deriving this high level concept right what is your dungeon why was it there or what is going on there now right yeah so to that end now this is also where now i'm talking about these as from a random book yeah i love doing that it's fun it's a fun mental exercise you can also take one of your favorite books one of your favorite movies one of your favorite tv shows put a twist on it your players will never know they'll watch the same animes as me Except, except for except for using the same anime and and again like a lot of time you get a lot of mileage by filing the serial numbers off of something right that you really enjoy or mm-hmm. that you really like you know yeah i mean that makes sense and tropes or something you see on a movie or a tv show you can be like that sounds cool if i took it and twisted a bit correct mm-hmm. and so taking a basic idea like that and twisting it can be very 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 effective so let's think about what was your dungeon mm-hmm what, 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 any sort of thoughts? Dwarven Stronghold. Okay, so it's a Dwarven Stronghold. I love dwarves. Okay, you love dwarves. Okay, so it was built as a Dwarven Stronghold. Yeah. All right. Now, already, now that's where it was originally built. Yeah, I just got to be careful I don't go down Lord of the Rings trails here, or Hobbit trails. <laughs> I mean, that could be where you, you're like, then what happened? A dragon took over. Because uh, I, I love dragons, too. It's like, okay. But I actually like the, what's now, the... Now, the, there is the problem of being very unoriginal, yes. which, you know, you can, which is fine. Because again, what's this the, uh, is your what, game, and I promise you, it's not going to run out the same as the Hobbit. Correct. What's yeah. the one in the Hobbit? The or uh, no, no, uh, Lord of the Rings. What's the one that they have to go through? Moria, Moria, where the deem, uh, Bal, Balrog comes the Balrog, up. Yeah. That's concepts cooler. Where there's like a dwarven yeah, stronghold no. that they went too far deep, sure, and awoken something. Right. I now, like that overarching concept. Now, when we talked about design. We also have to keep in mind, right, all these things are kind of, you're juggling a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, balls here. Development purposes. That's cool. That's a great concept. Not great for a level one adventure. Yeah, I know. That right. Sounds so cool. Right. That That's another thing that you have to consider. Well, I here. start running before I learn to walk. <laughs> well, right. Okay. Well, but then you're making a level 15 adventure. I know. And that's, that's my point. I you know. That's, I'm thinking like, I want them to fight a dragon. And it's like, Bob? <laughs> well, okay, and that already, by the way, is a bad attitude to have. I know. I want them to fight a dragon. No. Well, what if you go. put a dragon in your your dungeon and they go, "Fuck that! I'm never fighting this thing ever." Yeah, I don't know that. I've right, <laughs> like you can't have the whole point of this exercise yeah. is for you to create an environment that's just interesting, and whether or not the players ever go there, it's still cool. So, how do you make it interesting then? If you like saying, if it was a dwarven stronghold, yeah. They would, I think, hoard gold. Okay. Treasure's interesting. Sure. Treasure okay. so makes people want to come there. We'll, we'll, we'll follow this line of reasoning. Okay. Now, this isn't a dwarven city. Right. Because no. remember, we're, this is a dungeon. Yes. Right? So this is a dwarven stronghold. Okay. Why did the dwarves build a stronghold here? So when I'm thinking of stronghold, yeah. I'm thinking like a, like a fortress. Yep. Or like a bunker. Yeah, you know, it's on the, the outskirts. It's on the outskirts. Why yeah. is there a dwarven fortress here? Uh, oh, sorry. Dwarven stronghold here. Dwarven stronghold here. Is, is my thought is something was something is uh, trying to come this way. The ogres or the giants or something. Okay, so this was a defensive yes. position. Yes. Now, the dwarves would store a lot of gold in one of their defensive positions? Hmm. That's a good point. Hmm. Yeah, if it was an offensive position, they would go out and get stuff. Maybe, sure. maybe come back because this is the closest spot they have until they can get it back to the city. So the dwarves are attacking? That doesn't sound right. I, I mean, feel like they're defensive. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. But <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I don't know okay, who they'd but, be attacking. No, but I think you've hit a key reason. Again, you're thinking about this is, a, this is not just an idea. This is going to be a play space. And that means it's going to be a place where you want to be playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And so ultimately, it means you need an excuse for there to be monsters and treasure and things like that in this dungeon. So it could be offensive and defensive, though, because you're, you're trying to think of a, uh, if you had a city, well, you're no, trying to expand take, your territory. Sure. Well, take a step back, though. What kind of... You, don't get so caught up on that initial concept. Okay. You said dwarven stronghold. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go with dwarves. What kind of dwarven place would have a lot of money or would have treasure and gold? The main city. 
Okay, but what he said before, it's not a main city. Not this place is not the main yeah, city. Yeah, so ignore that. So what would have dwarven, what would have money and wealth and baby magic? Dwarven mine. Okay, a mine, but that's, you know, maybe not what we're going for. And that's just raw ore. We're thinking mm-hmm. treasure. We're thinking gold. So what might have that? Um, A, a, a dwarven mine that mines gold. Okay. <laughs> All right. So maybe... They were mining gold. They could be. Okay. They needed to protect it. Maybe they needed to protect it. That's, but then you're getting close to. Mines of Moria. Yeah. So what if you take it a different route? What if this was a place where the dwarves traded? Yeah. That, that's something that's more of like an outskirt thing. They needed to hold a position though, because something is wanting this area. Sure. So who are they trading with? Not the elves. Why not the elves? I don't know. <laughs> not well, going there. <laughs> the, one of the things that you have to think about when you're designing a dungeon is what is going to make this, because remember, well, we talked about this before in the last episode. Ideally, you are going to build a series of layers, mm-hmm. like an onion, uh, of the history and some of the cool facts about your dungeon. And you're not going to just tell that to your players. They're going to learn it as they go through it. What's well, a lot more interesting and a lot more fun when some of those things are surprises, mm-hmm. okay? And we're kind of touching here on the on the second part, rule of Dungeon Craft, but the second rule of Dungeon Craft is whenever you create some element in your campaign, if you can, create or attach a secret to it. Okay. Right? So that means that the, the players start to uncover it, they are going to feel like they are uncovering something they are learning something so what if they're this is this is just a trade post they trade with whoever okay is in the region but they don't trade with the elves okay but this one did okay that could be interesting that, that's what i was kind of getting at. it's like they, they weren't they shouldn't be because the main city is like that's a no-no all right but it's like sort of like prison life you know you gotta you know they got the they got the goods and you okay. know, they're offering something. I don't know what they're offering, but yet, but they have offered something, and it makes it makes it worth it to trade with the elves. Okay, so this dwarven post, mm-hmm. this dwarven trading outpost, mm-hmm. traded with the elves, which made them extremely wealthy. Yes, right, and, because and probably items that probably they shouldn't have. Maybe right, maybe. getting lots of stuff, and so this dwarven outpost was doing all sorts of business and trade. Okay, uh, and in this sort of remote frontier location, right, doing. Trading dwarven goods for for elven riches. Yep. Right. Cool. Now that's what that dungeon was. Yes. Right. It's uh, trading with the elves. Yep. Great wealth is being gathered here. Okay. What happened? And more importantly, what is it now? So my first thought was, and maybe it's not even elves. Maybe they're trading with like the ogres or something. They, so, Ooh, something even more. Something. Something actually evil, like uh, aligned evil. Okay. Okay. As I'm trying to think about this, because I'm thinking either something went bad, okay. something like they were bad, betrayed, a bad drug deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they did something they weren't supposed to. They were sort of doing this on the down low. Okay. And they betrayed. Maybe a separate clan was like, "What are you doing? You shouldn't be doing that with them." And you're saying sh- you're saying a dwarven clan. clan? Maybe could be. Now the thing that it, sounds a little rough, possibly. Though. I, being being overrun by ogres sounds a little bit more realistic. Or well, something again, we are, we're talking about a level one dungeon, yeah. so it probably wasn't ogres. Now, granted, it could have been overrun by ogres, and then they left. Or goblins. Sure, goblins something. could be it. Right? I'm thinking evil-aligned, you shouldn't be trading with these people. Okay. Um, so elves, not evil-aligned, just dwarves, you do not like them. Um, but, you know, this is a trade post. Maybe they, maybe that's not a big deal. But you probably should be trading with the goblins or the kobolds or something along these lines. All right. Or, you know, or the orcs or anything like or that. Or orcs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, what happened? Because now this dungeon yeah. is a it's a ruin, right? The, dwar- the dwarves aren't living here anymore doing trading. Otherwise, the adventurers wouldn't be coming here to do adventure. They're coming here because they've heard that the great wealth of the dwarves mm-hmm. still lies up in that old dwarven stronghold. Yep. Waiting to be taken. Yep. But now it is... A dangerous place. Yeah. Right? With lots of baddies. Mm-hmm. And only a stout adventurer with ready sword and spell is going to be able to brave the dangers to bring back that dwarven booty and loot. Yeah. And bring it back to the lands of civilization and, you know, spend it like a boss. So 
we need to think about that's what the dungeon was. What is the dungeon now? Mm. Right? What is it? What is going on there now? Well, it doesn't have to be in ruins, right? Like it Define can't... ruin. I mean, I don't mean literally okay. a pile of rubble. That's what I thought you meant. I'm like, I just no, me- it's a dwarven stronghold. This place is built. I just mean like <laughs> no one's sweeping it. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, no one's there anymore. Well, someone might be there. Someone occupying might. Wait, there. we can get to talk about that later. But So I think, I think it's sort of like a, I don't know. I don't know enough. I don't know what happened, but I think it got overran. Okay. So that's a good thing to go with. Yeah. And I think something happened and it got overran. Right. Now, again, now we don't have to create more than we must, but remember I said before, I think answering these questions is tremendously mm-hmm. valuable because it's really going to help you when you're building the treasure and you're building, because now when you're going to get to a point, um, when you go into this dungeon, when you build it yourself, you're going to see two incredible things happen. Okay. Okay. One is, you won't, you know, a lot of people go, well, you know, APs and adventures and I got to flip through it and I got to read it. And then my players go into a room and I got to read it. You're going to find you don't even have to do that. Oh, because it's just. You're like, I know this like the back of my hand. Have you, have you, do you, do you find that when you did that in the past? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you know the dungeons by the back of your hand when you've run it like two times. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, you know, if you, you, nothing, nothing makes you remember a dungeon more than playing it. You know Very true. I mean? But, but when you've built it yourself. You almost don't need your notes, okay? Because you're just no, yeah, you know, exactly. But the most important thing, I think, that's, that's and it would also make logical sense. Like if you built it correctly, like a good dungeon, you're saying you would be like, yeah, they enter here because this is where you enter, and this is. I know that room is the correct workshop. You, you I are, know that room is the whatever. You already know it what everything physically is. makes sense too. Exactly. But the most important thing not is random, 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 not random, random, random. The other thing that makes the, this is even better. You don't understand. You don't. Un- you don't just understand the what of the dungeon, the but you understand the why. Which means if the players do something that you weren't expecting, or they create or do something that you know wasn't really in your original plan, when you have to improvise, it's going to feel very consistent because you understand. Yeah, you hold the flavor. You know the flavor of this yeah. dungeon. You understand. Like you're like, oh, the players go, well, we're going to go down the well. And, you know, like and you're like, oh, I never thought they would go down the well. But then you start thinking about like, well, I know where this dungeon is and I know how this operates. Maybe the well goes down into a shaft that they use to smuggle in the goods from the goblins. Yeah. You know, like you can just fill in the details and it's going to feel like you did have it prepared because it's going to feel because you're just going to basically take all that creative preparing work that you've been doing over the last few weeks. And you're just going to pick it right back up again and start doing it extemporaneously right on the spot. That makes me think maybe they were dealing with the goblins or some of the dwarfs were dealing with the goblins, not the whole oh, okay. not the whole place. That got found out. Okay. They said we gotta cut it off. That didn't make the goblins, the orcs happy. They're okay. like, no, we we we've established this trade. Sure. You need to be here. Okay. And you're cutting us off. I don't think that's how this works. All right. <laughs> maybe that is what happened. Yeah. All right. Something like that. And they got invaded. Yeah, they were like, no, then we're just going to take your whole fort. Yeah. So now and so now we're going to go to a series of questions, right? Okay, but why? All right, well, it's a dwarven stronghold designed specifically probably oh, yeah. to prevent this. Yeah. How did they get overrun? <clears throat> Somebody was a traitor. What's that? Traitor. Oh, it could be a traitor. I like the traitor concept. That's not where I was thinking. But. Oh, well, I would like to hear what you're thinking because I was thinking like, more like, okay, well, because, I, you promise me well, that if you take the fort, I get X uh, amount of gold. And that I think it's actually an awesome angle. Yeah. And maybe we should no, totally. Maybe it's we come should, in the back door. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we should go into it. So, yeah. So maybe a dwarven person or a handful or a, a group of the dwarves were mad that the trade got cut off. And they were like, well, we need And we'll they wanted up. a cut. Yep. And so they betrayed the dwarves and they let them in through the, the secret back entrance or something like that. And the dwarves got wiped out that way. Yeah. I think that's awesome. But But the people might not know any of this. They just know it got overran. Like, how could it be overrun? I don't know, but they all died. Correct. Now. What was right you were thinking? We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Here, but, okay, well, I was thinking that maybe the goblins brought a dragon. Oh, I love a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that would have the firepower, literally, maybe. Why isn't dragon eating the goblins? He's allied with them. They're they're like his servants. His... So he's going in to get the gold? Yeah. Basically, the goblins are like, oh, this whole time they've been working for the dragon. Mm, I do love a dragon. I do do, but. That's okay. Dra- dra- dragons are pretty high level. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's the what's the lowest level? Looks I, like a little wormling. Uh, well, wormling's not a very impressive final boss. Okay. Okay. I guess it depends on the size of your dungeon because it's like, what level are you when you get to the quote unquote 
and near and, the quote unquote end. And again, we're just talking high level today. Like I said, it is an elaborate process. And, okay. you know, I mean, I, I do think that this is probably going to be like eight hours of video. Look, if I can just get a dragon in there somewhere. I mean, maybe that's a possibility. Now, you know, sometimes things go in stages. It okay. does go in stages, right? Like depending on how long ago this happened, you know, you might have had the Dwarven Stronghold 100 years ago and then it got overran and then it was abandoned. And then a dragon has moved in and claimed it as his lair. But, but then I'm almost back to Hobbit. Be correct. And, and as much as I love that. Right. Whereas the, <laughs> whereas the traitor angle is a little bit more unique. That's not something straight out of a Lord of the Rings yeah. movie, right? Well, I'm just trying to think you're right. How does a stronghold get overrun? Yeah. Usually it's because there's a weak point yeah. somewhere. Right. You know, oh, I knew that if I shot the blast sure. right here, I'd blow up the whole Death Star. Right, right. Or it's someone let them in. Right. And that's usually how you get overran. <laughs> right. So. Especially I, if you've got a stronghold. So I think that's a really cool idea, and I think we should go with that. Okay. Right? So the dwarves were betrayed by one of their own. Mm-hmm. And then these evil humanoids, goblins, orcs, we haven't really decided yet. Yeah. They came in. They killed the dwarves. And, you know, pr- now presumably at the time there was untold wealth here, right? But no. they took most of it. They took what they could find. They could take what they could find. Right? Because the, the dwarves have great that's right. locks and, and that's right. vaults exactly, and traps. Exactly, exactly. And, exactly. Like and now that stuff is still waiting for our adventures today. Yeah. So the, 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 the goblins or the orcs came in, killed the, the dwarves, they took what treasure they could take and find and they, they fled, leaving this place ruined and abandoned. Yeah. Now, it's our first dungeon. Mm-hmm. That alone might just be enough. Okay. Right? right? But if the dungeon was old, enough or if you got want to add remember it's like, like le- why did they build the stronghold here why did they build the stronghold here or maybe it that happened and then did something mm-hmm. else happen after that mm-hmm. right if it maybe it was 200 years ago and then that happened and now it's abandoned well maybe in the between now and then something else happened you know like uh, uh a group of you know creatures moved into the dungeon because they wanted a place to conduct their secret experiments mm-hmm you know, and what you start doing is you start creating these layers, these sort of plans within plans within plans within plans. And you end up developing all these different factions that are within your dungeon, right? And we might end up doing this anyways, right? Because now you ha- suddenly have this remote, really, really durable dwarven stronghold that's kind of out in the middle of the wilderness, seemingly abandoned, but it's a great place to do your evil deeds yeah. or to set up camp or. Yeah, if you could hold it, it's. It's yours. If you can hold it, it's yours. But sometimes if the dungeon's big enough, maybe you can't hold all of it. Oh, that's right. If there's you, multi-levels. You or... might only be able to hold part of it. Mm-hmm. So you might have a dungeon where part of the dungeon is controlled by kobolds. Mm-hmm. Part of the dungeon is controlled by goblins. Maybe they don't like each other. You know, maybe they have a greater enemy. Maybe there's three different factions, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can start brainstorming about these different components, about what they want, what they need. Mm. And this is how that sort of emergent storytelling of a drum dungeon can occur. And why it doesn't always have to just be fight, 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 kill, 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 you know? Because that whole, my enemy of my enemy is my, is friend. my friend thing, yeah. you know? So, mm. now, my, suge- my suggestion, though, is we've got this dwarven stronghold. Yes. It's betrayed. Yes. Dwarves enter, they kill, no, and the then, evil people enter. Uh, sorry, the evil, I'm sorry, the evil goblins, something. evil mm-hmm. something, enter, they kill everybody. They, that's cool, but this is sort of a, a, my take uh, as, a, as a sort of another rule of dungeon craft. Whenever you do something in D&D, whenever you make a detail, if you can, try to add something fantastical. Okay. Right, because aside from the fact that we just talked about dwarves, mm-hmm. everything that we just described could have happened in medieval Europe. Yes, right. There was a trading post in the Alps, and mm-hmm. the Germans invade. You know, were trading with the Italians, and then the Italians cut off the trade, and then the one guy in the Italians betrayed them, and the Germans entered and killed everybody and took the loot and left. Yep. Right. So everything we just said there could happen in the real world. Okay. So that's good. Being grounded, one yeah. foot grounded in reality, will make your thing feel like it's not just some like. You know, yeah. like some silly kid, you know, like the kind yeah. of RPG you would run for your daughter. Yes, it feels real. Now let's put it in now, fantasy. Let's take another. That's, that's the left foot. The left foot is grounded in reality. Now for our concept, let's take that right foot and stick it into something fantastical. Okay. Right. What are some things or what is one thing that we can add to this dungeon that will increase the fantasy level of it? The undead. That's a great one. And to be honest with you. 
it's where I was going to. I, I, I could easily think that one, this stronghold was here a long time ago, like we said. It got overran. There's multiple people trying to fight for this. Something that can create undead yeah. has found a way to kind of lock, get himself in there pretty good. Yeah. And well, he's not easily taken out. Well, so I, you know, I, and again, remember, it's all about the secrets. Now, this yeah. is this is me wearing my DM hat, right? The dwarves that died there that day, right? Their spirits did not rest easy. They were right? betrayed. Vengeance, mm-hmm. betrayed by their own, right? I think that those dwarven undead, you know, because when you think about zombies and you think about skeletons, what do you think of? You think of human zombies, right? Yes, actually, you're right. That's right? the first thing I thought of, right? Human-sized skeleton. Human-sized skeleton, human-sized zombie. What about a dungeon where a good chunk of them are dwarven Whoa. zombies? I do love dwarves. You do love dwarves, right? Undead dwarfs. So, and this also starts to sort of build into this idea of, like, I'm again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let me just write here. down undead dwarfs. Hold yeah, on, that's a great, <laughs> right? That's a great concept, right? Now, I don't. By the way, I don't disagree with what you're saying. That because now we can start adding in layers, because maybe there is some evil necromancer, and they've come to the dungeon because maybe they want to, um, they want to learn from this power. Yeah. Maybe they want to try to control the undead and use them as like a dwarven undead army. And they're trying to like control them. Maybe. I was thinking more um, the dwarves didn't really know where they were. What do you mean? This wizard, necromancer dude, he knows that in the stronghold or within this area, there's more underneath, more more that meets the eye. Okay. Dwarves never tapped that down that far. Okay. They just built a stronghold because they needed a position. Gotcha. But he knows that if he can hold this, he's able to, like a ley line okay. or something along those lines. Okay. I know this area is important for so you're dark saying, energy. Okay. So you're saying that the reason the dwarves came back to Unlife is because there's this secret ley line or something. Secret ley line of evil energy. Yep. And this necromancer is trying to tap into it. But it also gives that, that's also very awesome. Okay. Let me just write but down now, the ley line. You know, I know you love missions. What? Did you say mission? <laughs> right, missions. But another thing that makes a dungeon interesting is to have all these different angles. Okay. Because now it's like, well, okay, we go to this dungeon. We came here for treasure. Yeah. Right? Oh, but now there's a necromancer, and we can stop him. But wait, if we stop him, maybe when you go to stop him, you learn about the ley line. Yeah. And then then that's like a whole separate quest. Because you wouldn't even know, like, why are the dwarfs, why are the dwarfs not, you, not alive? Well, I'll give you an example. They should be dead. They should be, <laughs> when you go there and you fight the dwarven zombies, you might think, why are there so many dwarven zombies here? Mm-hmm. And then you see the necromancer and you think, oh, it's the necromancer. And then you kill the necromancer. And then the dwarven zombies are still around. And that's when you realize, oh, there's something deeper. Mm-hmm. And then the party goes deeper. And now maybe when they take out, deal with that energy source, maybe the dwarves finally are at rest. Yeah. And these are all great, like heroic quests that the heroes and, you know, all oh, the dwarven spirits, you know, the zombies crumble to mm-hmm. dust mm-hmm. and the dwarven spirits go to the, you know, the party and they thank them in the dwarven way and they give them the blessing of the dwarven ancestors and depart to the next life, right? To they go get be- some kind of cool feat that you can't only get if yeah. you beat the dungeon. Yeah, that's correct, that's correct. But so now you're starting to tell these different stories with your dungeon and you're starting to build this sort of depth to it. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic idea. So we have this dwarven stronghold, this sort of trading post, mm-hmm. okay? And it's built over a secret source yeah, some kind of ley line. A secret source of of, yeah. of of energy. Yes. And the dwarves were trading with potentially some unsavory characters. Yep. They got it cut could have off. Been a little bit corrupted by that ley line. They didn't even know. Oh, so that's even better. They didn't know. Why did those dwarves go bad? They don't. They, they didn't know. They didn't know. Right. They became corrupted by greed. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, tap into some of the tropes. I don't think yeah. that's a bad thing. Oh, evil dwarf, greedy. You know, yeah. just like Thorin. You know. Because you can even tell that you're you're running this for presu- mostly new players. Yes. So when you can go, they've got the the gold sickness, you know, yeah. just like Thorin from the Hobbit movie. You know how he got. Yeah. They know, start to relate. They start to relate, and now they can connect to it, and so it makes it easier for the, you to have those touchstones, and they can just take those touchstones and immediately start role playing it. That makes appropriately. sense. That makes sense. Instead of you having to like explain to them what something is, they go, "Oh, I get it." Yep. When a player goes, "Okay, I got it. Cool." Great. Yeah. You want to say, like. They might have been corrupted by greed. And you're like, they have the gold sickness. You're like, this guy knows. This guy knows. Yeah. Right. He knows exactly what's going on. So you have this dark energy. It yeah. corrupts some of the dwarves. They start trading with the goblins. Yep. The other dwarves, you know, banish them and 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 cut it off. Those dwarves filled with that evil betray the dwarves. They know the secret entrance. They open it up for their goblin allies who come in and slaughter the gold, you know, the dwarves. Yep. 
those dwarves die, but betrayed, filled with vengeance over this evil source of energy. Now they come back as undead. Yep. For many years, people stay away. It's another reason. Why is the treasure still there? Well, because it's filled with dwarven undead. Yeah. People don't fuck with that. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> and, and maybe the first couple of rooms is goblins. You works got it. Exactly. Because well, now, they can only go so far you, in. You, you, you got it perfectly, right? Because now you can start to create different uh, sort of like themed areas mm-hmm. of the dungeon. Well, it makes sense. Like, yeah, if you go any farther, that's right. where the big stuff is. And, and you that, can't you, go that far. And you go to say, why don't the goblins go any farther than that? Because they'll get killed by dwarven zombies. Yeah. And that's right? like in Moria. I uh, never know the names. Sure. What they don't, when the, they don't go below when the, the Balrog comes oh, sure. up. They're like, yeah. uh, we're out of here. Correct. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> they that, know. One of the coolest things that you can do in a dungeon is to avoid monolithic evil. Okay. Monolithic evil is like, we're team evil. Yeah. You're evil. I'm evil. We're evil. We'll all just work together. We're all evil. No. Right. Like I could imagine a situation where maybe the dwarven skeletons and the dwarven undead and the dwarven zombies, they hate the goblins more than they hate the party. They're in their stronghold. Right. Right. So you could see a situation where like, imagine where the players like lure goblins. Maybe there's too many of them, you know, like there's 20 oh, gosh. <laughs> like the, like in our, our, our near TPK on Friday night, you and oh, I, where we, where we almost, a lot of goblins. Yeah. Where we fought 20 <laughs> goblins. Right. Which was too many. And we, I, well, you survived. I ran away. I ran away the first time I've ever run away on purpose. Yes. Um, <laughs> I died and everyone else died. But if you fought a room with 20 goblins and you go, guys, I got an idea. What if we lure these goblins mm-hmm. into that room with all the dwarven skeletons? Let them fight each other. Makes sense. Right? That is the kind of emergent, you're like, I never thought that, I, you know, we're talking about it now, but you might be like, I never thought that that would happen. Mm-hmm. But I've got my dungeon. Yep. I know this place like the back of my hand. Dwar- goblins, those skeletons, and I hate the goblins. That's what killed them. Now, though. You've got this really cool story, and you've created these sort of different areas, and the dungeons will feel different. But as the players realize that there's dwarven undead here, they're going to go, okay, well, why? And that's when they start to learn about this necromancer. And then they might go, oh, and we want to go take him out. Or maybe they won't. And that's my point, is maybe they just want to get to the goal. Yeah. And like they, the necromancer, yeah. not our Not, not our, our concern. Yep. And, and that's okay. Because you're not writing an adventure. Mm-hmm. You're not writing a plot. You're just building a place. You're building a place. You're putting some different... Uh, factions, some different individuals, some different monsters in there. It also they, adds they nice have a, treasure because if 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 the skeletons have their old armor, exactly their old weapons, this is dwarven stronghold weapons, it, exactly. This could be good stuff, right? It could be good stuff. It could be treasures, magical armor, magical weapons, right? And you know, there's. I think it's also okay to have some themes, like right? Maybe not. Maybe not a lot of wands. Maybe not a lot of scrolls, right? That's not a. That's a dwarven if you want thing. that, you better go take on the necromancer, yeah, right? Exactly. And you might have a party member go, guys, we've got all these cool magical swords. Yeah. I kind of want a magical staff. And even better is like when you start to foreshadow that, like maybe a goblin, they've tangled with the necromancer. They're not on, they're not, they're not on the same team. Mm-hmm. And maybe the party allies with the goblins. Or maybe they get one in prisoner and he's, well, he wants to talk for his freedom. And he goes, you know, beware the necromancer's staff. Yeah. You know, it's very powerful, yeah. full of magic. Little goblin Bob made it too close. You know, zapped him. Right, he zapped him. And then the the wizard goes, Oh, I kinda want that staff. Right? It's guys, powerful. Guys, maybe we should go maybe we should go take maybe we should go take this necromancer out. I just want the treasure. But now you're doing the same things you'd be doing in a D game yeah. or Pathfinder game, anyways, right? Fighting things, exploring things, you know, doing all this stuff. But it has context. Correct. And the players, I think, will become nine times out of ten, interested. And you're gonna end up with this cool little story. And it's all condensed in this one interesting place. It's full of all these different areas. And I think that that is what you do with a concept is you start with an idea of what was this place originally? Mm -hmm. What is this place now? Yes. And once you have that sort of high level concept, look, we've already, we already, we, we, we already know what monsters we might need to start looking at in our bestiary. Yep. Uh, We already know what kind of magical items might be present here. Yes. Right. Do you think that there might be a magical ax here? Uh, a dwarven war axe? I think there could be a magical dwarven war axe here. Or a warhammer or a mall. A warhammer mall. Favorite right? things. Probably not a magic longbow. Probably not. Right? Because that doesn't feel appropriate with the dungeon. It, right? It might be in the traded loot. Possibly. And even that could be like very an different. Elven bow. Right. Like, even oh, they that. Trade with the elves. And and that's also still part of that storytelling mm-hmm. of the dungeon. You're like, oh, yeah, well, they did trade with a lot of things. This was like the elven quarter, yep. the elven section, and there's some different type of loot here. The player goes, oh, that's that's cool. Like, yeah, that makes it sense. It resonates. It yep. makes sense. When the players go, yep, 
that okay. makes sense, then you're doing it right. Okay. You know? Because that makes sense to me. Like, if they're trading, there's that's how they would get the bows. But again, they're maybe they're not, they're still not, the bows, them is like more like just stuff that they're going to trade for sure. something else. Correct. But they're so, probably still not accumulating wands because yeah. they're just, el- they're getting from elves and humans maybe. Yeah. And so once you have this sort of high level concept, you can start doing the rest of your design process, okay. you know, and we can start touching that. Now we'll cover that next time. Oh, okay. You know, for our next video. Okay. Where we're going to sort of start delving into sort of the more specific elements that need to be designed, right? Like when we sort of t- start touching on them here, the factions and all that other stuff. Okay. You know, and we can kind of get into that next time. I think that's a really cool design. And I think that that's a really cool high level concept. And I definitely think that we should go with that. I I like it. It it made more sense. And like I said, if we can just add a dragon somewhere, then I then my dungeon's perfect. Right. Now, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you gotta, you know, you can force it. But now now here's the thing. But that's what I I don't want to force it even though I want to force it. Sure. Like me, Bob, this is so cool. Right. Wants to force it. Me, Bob, the GM that's learning and developing, and I want to actually make it yeah. make sense, reasonable. Yeah. Well, so here, I'll tell you what. So for folks at home, um, if you are interested in hearing about a design concept that does definitely include a dragon at the end, uh, we're going to be put to, uh, some extra footage together, and we're going to drop that as part of our Patreon for our patron exclusively. So if you're interested in learning some more concepts that we may have kind of spitballed around that we didn't have time to show on this already very long YouTube video, uh, please take a look at our Patreon. Decide if you want to support us there. And if you do, we're going to have some extra bonus content that we're going to put onto Patreon that didn't quite make the cut and didn't quite make the edit to YouTube. And if not, continue to like, subscribe, follow us because we're going to continue this series as I continue to develop this dungeon. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... I think this is a really cool concept, and I'm, I'm interested, you know, excited to go through it. And again, especially for these design concepts, you know, this applies for Fifth Edition, and this applies for Pathfinder Two. And I know that most of our audience is Pathfinder Two based, but if you're here and you're predominantly a Fifth Edition player, let us know in the comments because you know that's another thing that we might want to consider doing is making sure that we really include some Fifth Edition level statistics as well. Okay. And I should also note that for people who make the decide to make the Patreon, we are going to be putting this dungeon onto the Patreon as we build it step by step by step. So if you really want to get the actual, you know, content as as Bob builds it, um, that's going to be on the Patreon. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. Yeah. At least I hope so. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining us for Night School. On behalf of Bob, my name is Derek Melinda saying welcome to the Knights of Last Call. <laughs>